0: Audio. hey everybody it's steve A. G. thanks for tuning in uh we've got a great episode today i am so excited to have weird al yankovic on the show uh I think in the first couple minutes, you can tell listening that I'm really nervous talking to him. Uh, Weird Al is one of my comedy idols. Uh, he's one of the people that uh, early on in my life helped shape my sense of humor. And uh, so I was, I've known him for a few years now, not super well. And then uh, going to his house to record this, I was super, super nervous. And I think you can tell in the first few minutes. Um, I sound a little nervous, I think I sound a little uh, like short of breath, and it's not because I was out of shape, which I am, but it's because I was um, uh, really terrified of saying something stupid, which I'm sure I did anyway. But um, Al was great, and um, I, I'm so happy he did it, and uh, I think you're going to like it. So enjoy the episode. Hi Al. Hi Steve. Uh, thanks for doing this. Buddy. Sure, sure. Um, I just got to Weird Al's house. Yay! Um, I uh, I was so excited that you agreed. To, I was I've been been wanting you to do this for so long, and I've just been. Why well, are ask you just asking now me. then? What's that? I would have done it forty five years ago. I've had this podcast for. Three years. Uh-huh. And it started, the first half of my podcast was literally me just sitting in my uh, apartment. And I was like, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to do like an hour long podcast like everybody else does. And so it would just be like five minutes of me. There were like five minute long podcasts that I was, would host on my own website. And it would literally, like the first episode was me just trying to come up with a name for the podcast. Uh-huh. So it was like five minutes of me just sitting around going. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh. So
1: each of the podcasts got longer and longer as they went along. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I was like, "Oh, I'll just call it." uh, Because I, I, I do that a lot. I say "uh" a lot. I've noted. I'm hyper aware of myself. My weird audio clips. You no, know, that, that's know? a
1: Western thing. I, I think I could be wrong, but I, I think in Japan, it, uh, instead of others uh, say "aru."
0: No, they do not.
1: No, something, something like that. It's, it's like they don't say ah. Uh, they have a whole different kind of like interjection, <laughs> like they they be talking about say, aru, or something, something like that. I, so like... I just I just wonder how many how many languages ah uh, <laughs> is considered like the thinking about what I'm going to
0: say next phrase. I would love to see if my podcast was hosted anywhere in Japan as, uh, simeji <laughs> aru. <laughs> um, I'm obsessed. With Japan, by the way, Are, uh-huh. do you play there a lot? You
1: know, I haven't. There's, there's gr- a great YouTube clip that's uh, floating around of me in Japan in 1984, uh, and it was maybe the most surrealistic thing I've ever done. It look for, you look for a weird owl in Japan. Just search for it us on YouTube. Yeah. And it was, at the, at the time, they said, "Oh, this is like the the Saturday Night Live of Japan." It was like a big weekend show. And were you and, the musical guest? Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, and they had me doing shtick <laughs> with them. And I mean, the show's in Japanese And I learned a few phrases phonetically in Japanese I had no idea what was going on I was extremely lost in translation It's like
0: Bill Murray totally. on, that, on that show Oh man,
1: I, watching that movie, it was I, I completely Related to that, but look for it Because I'm there singing uh, Eat It, uh, half in Phonetic Japanese and half in English You translated phrases from Th- They did, they, and they had it on a prompter For me and I was singing like, I didn't know what I was singing And uh, they had Dancing sumo wrestlers, dancing Behind me, and a guy, a guy dressed in a giant lobster outfit gets wheeled what? out on a gurney in the middle of it, and he he asks me to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> and seriously, half the time I didn't have any idea what was going on. I was just kind of rolling with it. You can see the look of terror plainly in my eyes during this whole thing.
0: That's incredible. I am so obsessed with Japanese culture, like obsessed. I will. I can sit on my computer for. Hours at night, I'll go down like a wormhole of, like, Japanese game shows. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the, their prank shows are amazing. The, the oh, gap, Japanese we, prank we are, shows. The
1: Americans' TV is slowly turning Japanese. I mean, it, the, yeah. uh, it, those game shows are insane. I remember back when I was there, and this is, again, you know, almost 30 years ago. It was just all like shock television yeah uh even and it was like at late at night I, I know that it was it was uh, some of the shows were like almost like softcore porn yeah you know and they'd always cut away to reaction shots of like young girls going oh! Oh! like they're all yeah they, they they got off on the whole like
0: yeah. embarrassment thing for a society that's so reserved like they're very sexual like they don't present it you know outwardly in, in their everyday life but you know, there's there's vending machines with girls pants. Yes, I was
1: just about to say that. It's it's pretty crazy,
0: and th- this the stuff they get away with on their TV show. Like I uh, like a week ago was watching a bunch of Japanese prank shows, and they they do the most fucked up, like hitting people and like the the scaring. there there's one where a woman goes in. To, like, um, one of those places that does, like, facials or nails. Right, and, right. And uh, there's a clip of this woman going in, and they, they lay her down in a chair, and they put, like, a, a blind... Not a blindfold, but, like, a, an eye mask over her um, while they work on her nails. And then, uh, like, the, the girl who's helping her says, I'll be right back in one second. And she goes away, and then everyone in the in the place lays down like they're dead. Like, people start laying down on the floor... Like outside into the lobby onto the street, and they just lay there like they're dead. And then after like five minutes, this woman is like, "Hello," I, I'm, I should say like she's saying it in Japanese. Oh come on! She's like, she's like, "Hello, hello," and like no. Mushi mushi. Yeah, and so she finally takes off her her eye mask and is like looking around, and she is freaking the fuck oh, yeah, out yeah yeah she thinks everyone's dead and there's another one where a guy goes into a job interview a fucking job interview and uh he's sitting in a chair and uh there's two guys that are interviewing across from him and all of a sudden the window breaks and they have like squibs on these guys that go off like they've just been sniped and so these guys fall down like they've been shot. And this guy Whoa. is freaking out, <laughs> screaming. And then a guy comes breaking in through the door like a guy in a, like an army outfit. And is like grabbing him, going, come with me, come with me. And this guy's like, no, 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 I can't. What's happening? It, it's amazing.
1: That's pretty awesome. I mean, the, the stuff I remember wasn't nearly that clever. I, I, for a while, uh, a very popular guy in Japan was the guy that would, that would just go up to people on the scre- street and scream at them. <laughs> he would just literally just go up to people and ah! go,
0: and and, and then shoot the reaction that that was it that was the whole bit (laughs) that's crazy there there's another one there's uh if you just google japanese game shows uh or prank shows this one will come up they'll 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 be like an alleyway and uh they have a bunch of hidden cameras and they'll they'll wait till there's like one single person walking down the alley and like, it's like a really long, more like a side street and it's just empty and this person will be walking along and then all of a sudden they'll have a mob of people come running around the corner like they're running from something terrifying uh-huh, uh-huh. and the reactions of these people are like, <laughs> should I be running too? A lot of them will just drop on the ground or a lot of them will just take off running with the crowd. It's It's amazing.
1: That's pretty great that that is going to be everything on american
0: tv like in 6 months not soon enough i can't <laughs> wait did you did you do any commercials while you were there?
1: No, I, I never did. You know, I w- that would have been fun. I, I, I love watching all the commercials from major celebrities that thought, yeah. oh, nobody's ever going to see this. It's nobody's man. ever going to. Yep. There'll never be an
0: internet. There's yeah, Never in a million years. Pre-internet, they're like, how is anyone ever How would anybody see this?
1: ever see me in this Japanese TV commercial? Schwarzenegger. Hilarious. Nicolas There's,
0: Cage. Yeah. Uh, Stallone. Stallone all, yeah. The, all the big ones. Right. Um, uh, so you're... I should I should let people know how we we met. How did I, we I, meet? I vaguely remember the first time I met you. The UCB was it UCB for the state reunion that, show? Uh, that, yes, right. Um, they were. I was living with Ken Marino. I was living in his guest house, and uh, so I went to that show. And I remember briefly in
1: sin in his guest house, or just just no. What's that? Living in Sin in his guest house?
0: I live in Sin wherever I am. Oh, okay. He had had a guest house, and uh, so I was looking for a place, and him and his wife rented it to me. I was there for like, God, almost four years. Wow. And uh, in that time, the state reunion happened. They did uh, a couple live shows at UCB, and I met you backstage, and I was fucking terrified i remember i i think it was briefly like because of my imposing nature yes i was like oh hello nice to meet you Al. and i was like oh my god i just met weird al yankovic because i well i'll get i'll get back to the that stuff later <laughs> but that's i that's where we met and then i you know didn't you know see you again and then i think maybe like a year or so later i got an email from you like out of the blue uh um I still have it saved somewhere. You you had watched an episode of the Sarah Silverman show, and you found my email somehow. And you are like, I just watched this show last night, and I don't know if you remember. No, I do. That no, was I do. The funniest part: I don't know if you remember me. I'm weird out yet. Uh You were but you're like, we met at UCB, and uh you you kept making a face or something in the episode that reminded me. You didn't, of-
1: I remember because my, my daughter at the time was like two, three years old, and she just discovered bubbles. Yeah, And the look on her face when she saw bubbles was just like this <laughs> look that you never see a human do yeah. past the age of two. Yeah. It's just complete and utter awe and wonder, like shaking. You're so excited and happy. You can't believe this is happening. And yeah. you did you did that exact look in that particular episode, and it kind of blew me away.
0: Bubbles are still amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I I will never not, like... If, if someone has one of those little, you know, those things of liquid with the the little wand uh-huh. that you dip in and make bubbles, I could sit and do that for hours. Yeah. They're amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah I like the big bubble ones where you can, like, get inside the bubbles.
0: Like. Yes, oh, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and... Or, or, they
1: should have adult birthday parties where, like, Mr. Bubble comes and, like, no. everybody gets inside a bubble. We've
0: got the bubble guy. There is a bubble guy. I saw a guy. They should have had that in Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, bubble guy is here. Woo! Bubble guy! They, there is a guy I saw. I've seen him on a show. Maybe, like, you remember That's Incredible? Oh, yeah. They they would have weird people do stuff on that show. and there, I think there, it was a show like that. It might have been that show, but they had a guy who would... Who'd make bubbles stuff like he would do crazy like big bubbles and then like fill them with cigarette smoke. Oh yeah, like
1: bubbles inside of bubbles. Yeah,
0: that that stuff was crazy awesome. Like doing Henry Kissinger as a bubble, you know? <laughs> yes, here's a here's a Kissinger bubble full of smoke, um, <laughs> and then they then they pop it and there's smoke everywhere. Um, but yeah, that's so that's I guess how we met, and then uh, I would see shows backstage and stuff
1: you know, we bump into each other and we run in the do same the social media we, kind of thing. We run in the same crowd. I was part of your original five thousand followers on Twitter, so I, I was part of that. <laughs> Were you really? Oh yeah, absolutely. Were, I, I had my. You remember? You read my name on your big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did I really? You sure did. Um. Did you? Uh, I watched the whole thing just to see my no, name. You did not. No, no, not the whole thing. I lied there <laughs> I mean, for comic effect. Because I was six out. For those who don't know, I uh, I, I, I might have. To, I think I've told this story before. But for those who don't know, I when Twitter was in its early stages, I'd been on it for months and I had like maybe two thousand followers. And then Sarah Silverman signed up, and like within a night she had five thousand followers. Like one night, and I was like damn it, man. I was like, I've been here for for months. And so, uh, and so I tweeted the next day. It was like a Monday. I go, if I have 5,000 followers, if I get 5,000 followers by Friday, the next day I'll do a live, uh, streaming video cast and I'll read all my followers names. And, um, and you did, and the numbers were slowly going up. Like very slowly. And then Rain Wilson saw my tweet and he retweeted it. And once he retweeted it, the numbers started skyrocketing. The power of rain. The power of rain. And then that Friday, I was, I had passed 5,000, you know, way before that. But like the Friday, the last Friday, you know, for people to follow me where I would read their names, Oprah did a show about Twitter and signed up for a Twitter account. And Everybody and every woman in America started joining Twitter, and I had been put on a list because of this stunt. I'd been put on a list where when you used to sign up for Twitter, they would give you a list of recommended people to follow. That's right. And so people were just following me. Right. And my numbers were going up like thousands. It was driving... We were before Oprah. We were (laughs) B.O. B.O.? We, it, I was losing my mind because uh, earlier in the week, a friend of mine uh, texted me and he was like, hey, man, I I just did a little math. And I figured if it takes you like two seconds to read a name uh, times 5,000, he's like, it's going to be like four hours.
1: Yeah. You know, you, so you throw out the number 5,000. It's just a number. It, it doesn't become real till you figure
0: out. Yeah. Like, you're going to be sitting there for hours. As soon as he told me that, I stopped Promoting it. I start, stopped tweeting about it. I think I might have even deleted my original tweet. And uh, and so, yeah, it got up to like eight or 9,000 followers before I just shut it off. Like, I made my account private for a night. <laughs> and then the next day, it was six six hours of me yeah. sitting there reading names.
1: I, I thought when you got up to a million followers, you should have done the AG million and just... <laughs>
0: I'm horrible at math, but I want, if 5,000 followers took six hours, a million, that would have taken... That would 10. take at least 10 hours. That would... Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad at math, but I, I'm pretty sure 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours, that would have taken me probably a week. And it, it did also didn't dawn on me until I started reading the names that a lot of people sign up with names that aren't actual words
1: or the fake accounts to make you say stupid things
0: a lot of my a a lot of my friends started signing up with fake accounts like that were steve ag smells Uh steve ag sucks (laughs) and so i'd be reading you know mike j you know alan d uh 7735 steve ag sucks Uh, (laughs) people people like Archive that. That that whole thing is still online. Somewhere. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a best of on YouTube somewhere. Best of the St- Steve Agee five thousand. And people would watch just to see their name read, and then they would capture that on. Me. So there's a lot of like five second clips of Steve Agee said my name. On- <laughs> it's like <laughs> your what? claim to fame. You're really desperate, you know. You know, warning. thirty
1: years from now, like, I haven't done much with my life, but Steve Agee, Steve Agee said my name. They're in their
0: deathbed. <laughs> 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 Steve Ag at hour three and I probably
1: should have seen my family more I probably yeah. shouldn't have been as so wrapped up in work I probably should have
0: but Steve Ag said my name so I'm good I'm good I think it was called the Ag 5000 <laughs> I could see like tombstones with like uh, Mike Smith uh, <laughs> you know 1983 to 2016 Ag5. Well, they they have they have those
1: video tombstones now, so they'll probably have that on a
0: loop. You saying they're in it? Yeah, some of them do. That's got to be in Japan for sure.
1: I want to say I I, I don't know. I want to say the Hollywood Forever Mortuaries. Some they have some of those. Really, I think
0: could be wrong. But
1: but but that I think either that that exists now or that's that's something that's you know going to be more normal in the future. Would you have a video
0: tombstone? That seems like perfect for you. For whatever my last vine is, that'll be on my tombstone forever. You should – okay, I'm giving you this for free. You should record a song about your death. Uh Like – no, a song from the afterlife. Record a song like you've recorded. Don't release it. Don't let anyone hear it Uh until after you're dead. But record a song about what it's like. Now that I'm dead. Yes. Exactly. Make a video and then just give it to your lawyer and say, this is going to play on my That's going to be
1: awesome. This
0: is going to be on my video tombstone. <laughs> and that's just on a loop on Weird uh-huh. Al's tombstone. And
1: that'll be on the last box set, of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, just- and,
1: the,
0: then, and then Coolio the mystery will, track. will parody it. And, right. Uh,
1: no, yeah, it'll be it'll be a, like a prince parody. And then like what's he going to do? I'm dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, suck it prince. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a song called Suck It Prince, but it'll be to a prince song. Right. Um you've never parodied a Prince song no he won't, no, he not, not won't give se. you permission
1: no you know and again you know legally I could probably get around that but it, it's sort of a policy of mine not to do parodies unless the artist approves of it and, and Prince just uh, and he never gives a reason why he's never like said no because it's always just a flat no And have you talked with him
0: personally or I have not uh, uh, I, I sent
1: a carrier pigeon to uh,
0: <laughs> to
1: I've his pet llama I the
0: ocean once <laughs> yes. addressed to Prince I, I don't know if he's got
1: no it's My peep stuck into his peeps. And and, and all truthfulness, I haven't even tried in the last 20 years. Uh, I kind of got the message (laughs) loud and
0: clear. It doesn't seem like there's been a a Prince. I mean, he's still making great music, but it it doesn't seem like there's been a big Prince. He
1: hasn't had a hit single per se. I mean, he's still iconic. He's still a legend, but he hasn't really dominated the the singles charts in quite some time.
0: If Prince—if you got an email from Prince saying— uh I'm sorry for for denying <laughs> you for all these years. You have my permission to parody a song. Would would you parody an older print song? I I, guess, I although- guess it would have to be, right?
1: I would, I would think. I mean, I had literally a, about a half a dozen Prince parodies ready to go, like in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Uh, and nothing, you know, I, I couldn't do them. Um, and they would, I think they'd all be a little dated at this point. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'd release my EP of, like, Prince parodies that never were. Yeah,
0: B-sides and yeah. rarities. Right. That's a thing. Rarities. No, I, I've, I've got I've got get... one more
1: album on my contract, and after that, you know, who knows what i I mean, I, I might just start putting out just rarities and just you know one-off singles and, and digital who's, EPs. Who's that and, contract with? uh it's through it's through Sony. So I've, okay. I've been under contract since 1982. No, this is shit. this is my this is album number 14 that I'm recording at the moment. In
0: 1982, when you sign with Sony, sign a contract, is it for like? a 30 year
1: well when when I signed the original contract it was with Scotty Brothers and they were distributed by CBS and it was for a 10 album it was a 10 album deal and at the time you know pretty unheard of at the time you know you think you think you know I'm never gonna put out 10 albums that's ridiculous this is just so they can lock me up in perpetuity they're never gonna put out I'm never gonna have 10 albums yeah and then you know the you know time went on and uh, the contract got renewed twice Uh, my contract was sold to another record label that sold it to another record label
0: you know i was basically <laughs> is that weird for you when it's it's you're all of a sudden oh i'm with a different label now and I'm, I'm i'm it a, doesn't affect i'm you a pro-
1: well. i'm an asset i was a property and it's sort of like they owned me and you know i'm not gonna say like prince say i was like an indentured servant but i was i was sold as a property
0: has it always been like subsidiaries of sony that it's gone to um
1: i don't think cbs wasn't part of sony at that point right. so it was, it was Scotty Brothers. It was actually a rock and roll, the rock and roll imprint on Scotty Brothers, which was through Epic or CBS, and it changed all the time. It got sold to Volcano, which was part of Jive, and Sony was involved. I don't know. It's, it's you know, it gets complicated. Who's who's your first album with? That was with Scotty Brothers, which again was I, th- I think they distributed through Epic or CBS in the states. Oh,
0: that's. It- Okay, I'm going to try and get my history right.
1: Scotty Brothers is the label that had the big hit with Survivor Eye of the Tiger. Uh, James Brown was on their label.
0: But didn't you get signed because of... Uh, the knack?
1: That well, that was uh, well, that was my first uh, quote unquote record deal. That was with Capitol Records, right? But that wasn't an album deal. They basically just bought the master to My Bologna, uh, <laughs> which, were, which was literally such a
0: great. It sentence. was re- they bought the master. They bought
1: the my- master, <laughs> and which was recorded in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and I I love telling the story. They bought the master for five hundred dollars. They owned the master, and then when I uh, wanted to have permission,
0: dollars. when
1: I at well, that you know I paid seventy five dollars to a lawyer to tell me you know whether I should sign the contract or not. And he was like, sure, knock yourself out. That's so crazy. <laughs> my, that's what a $75 lawyer will get you. And uh, and then it hit, uh, when, when I wanted to get permission from Capitol Records to re-record that song for my first album and record it properly, they charged me
0: $1,000 for the rights to re-record it. So that's how the record yeah. business works. That is the music industry blows my mind the stories you now i mean legally things are a lot better for artists but like in the early stages like in the 50s 60s 70s it's the stories you hear are Horrifying of people being penniless, yeah, and, like owing money. It to gets their better. Label. I mean,
1: all, all the you know, all the blues artists, you know, got totally screwed over. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I don't know if they're still in record contracts, but up until not too long ago, there are still like uh, clauses in the contracts where the record label would retain a certain amount of the royalties because of breakage, meaning like the 78 rpm records sometimes break because they're so, so thick and brittle. That's
0: <laughs> insane. <laughs> i'm always i'm always like amazed at how rough you know the the entertainment industry is but then like i hear the the most nightmare stories from my musician friends
1: yeah i mean you know the, the movie movie industry and tv industry has definitely got their problems but wow the record industry
0: <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> wow yeah wait so do you who owns the rights to my bologna now Oh, well, to the master, it's still capital in perpetuity for 500 bucks. So they make money off it every time you...
1: Something, yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do.
0: Do, Does... So there's... Is there still an original recording of the the bathroom recording? I mean, it it exists. I mean, it doesn't belong to me. But it's not... Is is it on an available album?
1: Yeah, that was... um, um where was it i, I think that that uh, was on the uh uh my first box set uh which is i think out, out of print now so it's kind of hard to come by the original capital single it obviously pretty so rare. rare
0: i love that i i remember that from the dr demento really? show. that and uh, uh another one rides the bus right right and also from uh what was tom snyder's show oh the
1: tomorrow show the you tomorrow saw that
0: show. i've seen that oh absolutely no not, not at was, the time though or, or did I you was see- a comedy nerd from the time i was a child uh-huh. like, my first album the first album that i bought i and i i think i've mentioned this before on on the podcast but when i was you know like 11 years old or whenever you start getting into music or you're fr- you're in school and now your friends are into like michael jackson so they're buying michael jackson or stevie Wonder albums. The first album I bought was George Carlin, A Place for My Stuff, and I was like eleven. My my first album I think was FM and AM. Yeah, yeah. I was, and I got turned on to. I was first exposed to the comedy that would eventually shape you know my sense of humor from Doctor Demento. I I remember because I, I grew up here in Southern California, right? And KMET the Mighty Met KMET, which is now the Wave. Is it the Wave still? Oh, I don't know if it is still, but they sold it Yeah, they yeah. changed formats. Right. Um,
1: every, every now and then it's, uh, oh gosh, what is it? I should know this. Another station in town does a tribute to KMT, and they bring back all the DJs. Is no.
0: Paraquat Kelly
1: and... Uh, I was, I'm not sure if it's Paraquat, but a lot of uh, Dr. Demento and uh, um, uh, Jim Ladd and a few others come on That's there.
0: amazing. I, yeah, when I was like 10 or 11, I I got as... I can't remember if it was a birthday present or Christmas present. I got... A, a transistor radio mm-hmm. and it was the kind with uh it, it had like a, a speaker on it but it also had a, an earphone jack but it was just for like a mono right one earphone not <laughs> not stereo just one it, for one ear which is crazy <laughs> and when my parents would put me to bed at night you know like eight or nine that's like right when dr. Demento was uh-huh. coming on on sunday nights And I would lay in bed, and I didn't want to get in trouble, so I'd put in the earphones. That was
1: totally me. I I didn't have the earphones, but I had a little AM, FM alarm clock radio, and I would turn the volume down way low, and I'd put it right next to my ear on the pillow and listen late at night. And um, also my mom was uh, always you know, she she didn't like Dr. Meadow because he played all those horrible songs like bounce your boobies and things that were
0: I was obsessed inappropriate with, so obsessed with Dr. Demetrius, like unhealthily obsessed like I would all the next week at school like just be re, just spewing everything I heard like I would be reciting George Carlin like like I had thought it up and my uh-huh. friends would be laughing and <laughs> I was like oh this is the greatest thing ever and that's you know they would do the uh was it the Funny Five? Yeah, well,
1: it was the Funny Five, and it was the top ten. They kind of went back and forth.
0: Yeah, and that's where I got exposed to George Carlin and to you. And uh, you, you know what I loved was uh, I
1: had a, a little cheesy uh, a tape recorder, and you know this is in the days before you know. Napster and everything else yeah. it's like if you wanted a song You had to record it off the radio yep. and always Like the first five s- seconds of the song would be Missing because you'd hear the song go oh this is a good one <laughs> You would have it <laughs> right. on record You'd pause. have it on pause exactly yeah. But you'd always be missing the first couple seconds of the song
0: Yeah so I love I mean I love just hearing the recordings From, from those days of like You in the studio but you could Hear people like clapping along to the Beat in the background right. or blowing weird Slide whistles and um, what's your drummer's name? Uh, John Bermuda Schwartz, and he's you always know, been your drummer, right? He and then we met on the Doctor Mano show. Him pounding on your uh, your case, right? <sighs> that and then, you I, know, to he, this I, day, if I hear those songs, like I immediately can close my eyes and be reverted right back to when I was a kid, like laying under the blankets, listening with my little mono wow. earpiece. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I wish John was here right now. We'd we'd play the song and watch it happen in real time.
0: Shit, that would be fucking
1: amazing. Watch you revert, sort of like uh, altered states. I would
0: probably start crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Doctor Demento was so huge to me. Like my early, my biggest comedic influences were George Carlin, um, you, Chris Elliott, Bill Murray, and and, oh, and John Ritter. Wow, I got, you know. Those were like the audio things. Thank you, man. That's really nice. For for television, it was John Ritter. Like Three's Company was... It's still like my favorite TV show. I watch it, and it mostly doesn't hold up, but it has such a special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, How did you meet... Dr. Demento?
1: Uh, it was through a, a song contest in like, gosh, I want to say 1973 when I was like 13 years old. And he had this contest where uh, he invited listeners to send in their version of Pico and Sepulveda, which was his theme song. Yeah. And uh, I sent in a, uh, a version of it. Uh, and John Bermuda Schwartz, who I didn't know at the time, also sent in a version. His version, I think, made it to the finals or semi-finals, and mine just never... Yeah. You know, I, I, Dr. Demento can't even find my <laughs> submission. It just disappeared. Uh, but I, I gave my submission to him at, uh, at my high school because he came to my high school to do a, a talk or one, one of the things where he plays
0: songs for the kids and does a little demonstration. What, what high school? Is this in Linwood? Linwood High. Yeah. You, you're from Lin, or- Linwood's Orange County, right?
1: Well, no, it's it's uh, it's L.A. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, directly adjacent to Compton. That's d- right. Down East Southgate.
0: Why do I think it's or- Orange County? There's something wood in Orange County. Uh uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I grew up, grew up in Riverside. So I'm, I'm almost straight out of Compton. I'm about 100 a, a yards away from the border. It's straight out of Linwood. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny. He came to your – Dr. Demento came to your Which school. Which
1: kind of blew my mind because I, I was a huge fan and I found out through the public address system of the school, Dr. Demento will be coming to do after that's school. That's
0: mental to me. Like, yeah. And very – I think – I feel like that's really progressive for – Whoever at that school was like, yeah, let's have Dr. Memento yeah. come talk to the kids.
1: <laughs> and like, you know, he was hanging out with some of the older, uh, like the seniors and, you know, the, and kids were like, you know, hanging around out with him. I, I I, was too shy to do that. I just kind of went up to him and gave him a cassette tape and said, and this is for the contest thing. And goes, oh, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> ah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you still talk to him ever?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're we're good friends. We've, you know, uh he's on my Christmas card list and uh you know, we we keep in touch and
0: uh Ugh, Absolutely. I, uh, he's he
1: still does his show. It's, it's not on terrestrial radio anymore, but com every week on another show.
0: Is he still playing like the old like Fred Blassie and uh You know, the the, the, the classics <laughs> still make it onto the playlist. Um I I swear to god if I heard some of those old songs I would know I would probably still know them word for word I, if, sh- if they started playing like pencil neck geek with Gritty and Freak Pencil Neck Geek and the uh oh, what was the e- the existential, Existent, existential Tom T Bone Stankus. That yeah. song was so mind blowing to mm-hmm. me. Like and, uh.
1: you know, they, he had to cut that song into shreds because he couldn't get permission from the uh, the, the songwriters of the songs in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, and to, to Dream the Impossible Dream. Yeah. Like, all these uh, copyrighted songs were, were part of Existential Blues. So when he released his uh, uh, album, it was just, like, edited so
0: badly it was hard <laughs> to listen to. Because you used to the, Do- the Doctor of Matter version, you know. So if you're going to put out an album... If you're going to make money off it, that's where the problems come in, like parody-wise, right?
1: It becomes problematic, and you know, it's again, it's it's all a gray area with parody. But um, you know, I I don't want to get in a position where people uh, are likely to sue me. I don't want you know feelings hurt. I don't want drama. not per se. I mean, I, I had an old manager, uh, like th- again, we're talking like thirty years yeah. ago. Uh, but that, not, but not an a manager in quotes. He wasn't really a manager, yeah, but yeah. he thought he was, and he tried to get some money Someone out of me. It didn't you advice happen advice
0: once, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, yeah. I've always I've always been really curious about you know that kind of uh, music. It's like parody music because it's like. You make a living doing it, and then people—I I guess it's—I mean, it's definitely not parody if, like, Vanilla Ice uses the bass line from a Bowie song, you know, and gets, like, in a shitload of— tr- that, that- <laughs> Well,
1: that's—that's that's called theft.
0: That's—yeah, that's—, yeah, that's-
1: <laughs> So I added that extra thing, like ding. It used to be ding, 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 ding. And I made it ding, 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 ding. I
0: remember when that came out, and he was just like— <laughs> Like no no if you listen very if you listen carefully,
1: very carefully let me get the chart and graphs out here ding 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 di, ding let me get the Venn ding. diagram let me show you how this works
0: it's I didn't s- sample that from pressure no, no. That's, that's my a, a whole different song I'm surprised you even thought of it <laughs> oh man that's fucking crazy ah. um I have so much stuff that I I I was on your Wikipedia page I'm sure it's all true. Well, that's what I wanted. To do. That's what I was really <laughs> curious about.
1: Okay, check check your sources here.
0: Did you did you really tour with the missing persons?
1: I did one show. I did not oh, tour. Was, if you I, if you want to call one show a tour, yes, I toured with them. But yeah, that that was uh, something that was uh, a focal point of my behind the music show because it was a early traumatic experience. Uh, basically, I was the opening act. It was one of, one of the band's first shows ever. And Missing Persons, I, I like their music a yeah. lot. They're getting played on K-Rock, a very hip band. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, they would be into accordion-based parody music. <laughs> why, why, why wouldn't their fans enjoy that genre as well? Oh, man. I... <laughs> And the the curtain goes up, and I look out, and the whole front row is like wearing these spiked dog collars. Yeah, they're a little bit more hardcore. They were very than, punk. like were, new wave punk. They weren't just they weren't just like oh, sort of new wave. They were like kind of hardcore. And and I've never seen, not only myself, I've never seen any act treated this way ever. Like the curtain goes up, and I was pelted nonstop for forty five minutes with everything that wasn't nailed down. You still did the
0: forty five minutes?
1: I was getting paid I, again. I think it was like five hundred bucks. Total, including what I had to pay the, for, for the, to be up there for 45 minutes, and I was going to stay up there and play.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And, uh, and uh, th- there was no applause after the song. It was just a chorus of, Get off the stage!
0: that hurts my heart and you know
1: so many times you know since then uh, people have come up to me and said hey i saw you at that missing person show and my question is oh what did you throw (laughs) like oh no no i liked you like yeah sure yeah i don't know if you've
0: heard paul f Tompkins' last album where he talks about opening for a band at the whiskey on like i think a new year's eve and it was uh I think it was Grant Lee Buffalo that he was opening for and who he had opened for before at Largo. And it's very different. Like I've opened for bands at Largo, which was terrifying for me because I was like, I've heard all the stories. I'm like, what are the fans really going to think when they expect Fiona Apple to come out? And then it's like, <laughs> here's Steve telling dick jokes first. I'm, right. I'm like always there's like the first, you know, moment of fear walking out on stage, like just. Please don't throw shit at me. Please don't yell at me. Um, But Largo's different. Largo's, everyone, the audiences are amazing. So Paul was opening for them at Largo, and they were like, Hey, you want to do our New Year's show? Open for us at the Whiskey. (laughs) And he was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. People seem to like when I open for you. That'll be great. And he... His story on his, his album is so fucking funny of people throwing ice and like, oh. you suck. And he said it was just a chorus of you suck from the audience. And then he says there's like one person who like cut through all of that and was just like he just heard a You're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, people started throwing ice at him and he did his whole time. That's oh, yeah. what I'm always amazed of. Uh huh. It's people doing their whole time in those situations. And then he talks about afterwards, people like, man, you got balls, man. You could have gotten off that stage at any time. I kind of didn't know that was an option, it, frankly. It, yeah, that's what, that's what Paul said. He's like, and then it hit me. I could have gotten off stage at any time. I don't know.
1: Uh, Al Franken, before he was a senator, yeah, it, yeah. It did a great—I think he was opening for, I want to say, the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And it was the same kind of situation, like the, the, the whole crowd was just like, get off the stage, and throwing and spitting. And Al just completely just playing— against it like he was saying oh no 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 you don't understand see the sooner i leave the stage the earlier the band gets to play and the more they'll play see if you yell at me making, i'll have to leave the stage making and would just, get more,
0: just egging them on it was great there's an amazing youtube video of bill burr doing stand-up in philadelphia it was part of uh opie and anthony were doing a tour a comedy tour and they were having comedians open for them and uh At this show in Philadelphia, every comedian that went on stage got booed off the stage, no matter who they were. Like, people would go up five minutes into their act. It would just be like an arena full of people going, boo, and they would just walk off the stage. And Bill Burr goes out, and there's a YouTube video of it that I highly recommend everybody watch of him literally starting to do his act, and then he has to do, I think, 10, 10 or 12 minutes, and then it's... He does like two minutes of stand up and then like the remaining time is him berating the audience like like the most like Philadelphia. You suck. You have the worst foot. Like he just turns on the audience and is like being so mean, but like really funny to them. And uh, by the end of his set, he walks off stage to like a standing ovation. Like people loved what he did. It's. It's amazing. I'll check that. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. B-R-R-R. Philadelphia. Bill Burr, stand up. If you type in, you know. It'll show heckle. up. Yeah, it'll come up. Philadelphia, especially, or if you write Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I remember seeing Nirvana in concert in San Diego, and Bobcat Goldthwait opened for him. And I was so nervous for him. And he killed Good. Which was shocking to me, especially at a Nirvana concert. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. And now Bobcat, Goldthway, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be. You
1: just never know. A slaughter. Like, I, I've known people that like, like, like played Juggalo gatherings. And you, know, you, are they, you, know, like, you don't know if they're going to come back alive, you know?
0: <laughs> but I've heard the worst stories from Juggalo, the yeah. gathering of the Juggalos. Bobcat also did a show there. How did he go over there? Horrible. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> But but he, he Bobcat's the kind of person that eats that shit up because oh, yeah. he gets great stories out of it. Like he's got the best stories of going to the opening of, or the gathering of the Juggalos, and like just from the minute he got there, the stories are great. Of like this guy in dressed as a Juggalo. Dressed as a juggalo. He was a juggalo. <laughs> Meeting him at the gate and driving him through the crowd on a, on a golf cart. And he's like a famous juggler. I don't know what his name is. Like, fucko the clown or something. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, don't worry, Bobcat. Everyone here is really cool. He's like, a lot of people, you know, think it's a lot worse than it is. And as he's saying this shit and, and driving in the golf cart, some guy comes running up out of the crowd and throws a full can of soda. Un- Fago? Un- open, Fago. Uh-huh. And hits the guy in the head, the clown in the head. and The like, clown? Yeah. And he's like, he runs up and he's like, fuck you, fucko, and like hits him in the head. And- Is that how they show their love? <laughs> and Bobcat's just like, and then he was like, I'm hit, take the wheel. And like Bobcat had to take <laughs> the wheel. And this guy's like <laughs> half passed out in the golf cart from like a head injury and he's, Holy and, then he's like, and then we got to the trailer and the guy just started doing like mounds of cocaine and... <laughs> as you do i would never agree to do something like that mounds
1: of cocaine <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that I, yeah that would be horrible but like a juggalos would if if they came to you and said hey you want to do the gathering of the juggalos i have a feeling you would go over well there.
1: Yeah, you you, you kind of never know, is the yeah. thing. Like I, it, uh, Shows like that kind of terrify me. Like I, I love doing festivals, but part of me is terrified because I had that missing persons experience in the back of my head, and you just never know if things are going to go well. or things. Was that happen. your worst live experience? It was, yeah. For sure. I mean, I played Bonnaroo last year and it was amazing. It was yeah. maybe like my best show ever, but yeah. I still had that voice in the back of my head like, <laughs> they could
0: hate you! What <laughs> if? You could get a bottle of Faygo in your forehead. A lot of young people there what if they don't know me um oh, that's that's because i actually got a, a death
1: threat for bonnaroo because I, I did a horrible oh my goodness i did this horrible horrible live show on youtube uh, announcing all of the uh, uh people that were playing bonnaroo yeah and i thought oh that'll be a fun gig and i, I had uh, uh, tim seidel and and uh oh, josh kagan doing yeah. writing some bits for me um And, you know, I thought it was kind of fun. And zero rehearsal time. It was, like, really, really, you know, badly planned. And it was sort of a train wreck. But having said that, the response was just sort of like, don't be – I don't want any comedy. Just tell us who's playing the show. They didn't understand. Like, we have an hour to fill here, and it can't be just here's the list. It's like, you know, there's a show here. And I I had – there was one person uh, that that said, when uh, when Al comes to Bonnaroo, I will assassinate him. (laughs)
0: why that's crazy that's that's also illegal right you can't say that you can't threaten someone's life even if you're joking
1: no i i think actually they they took police action on that person or sent somebody to their house and it was probably like a 14 year old girl but still you you have to take death threats seriously i mean it was an actual death threat
0: that blows my mind that is the worst part of the internet is people just not kids or even adults not thinking in advance of what their actions are going to result mm-hmm. in like
1: they think they're so anonymous you know and that they can say anything
0: i did i did a, a a benefit show for uh this organization called a is four that we're helping women in texas who you know texas is shutting down all these women's clinics right. you know and uh And I did a benefit for them. And, like, they had to hire all this security because they were getting death threats. Was this
1: the thing that Sarah was at? Yeah. Okay. I saw the the Instagram thing.
0: And then the next day, like, after it was over, I woke up to, like, just a bunch of, like, death threats. What? Really? Really? they're like how are you, how you you're making fun of abortion i'm like where are you coming from you don't at-? respect the, the sanctity of life i'm going to kill you it is <laughs> crazy people are crazy and there were like protesters out on the street with huge signs and you're going to hell it it is amazing to me that that people are just so people get angry mean. and and mean <laughs> Ugh, i sometimes i hate the internet it is it's the best, but it's also the worst yeah i i remember i remember be, before the internet like, <laughs> things were amazing I remember my roommate in college telling me about the internet before it happened like what year I, was this this like, was two
1: thousand like,
0: <laughs> my roommate in two thousand no this was like ninety one or ninety two right. and right. uh I I think there was an internet, but not not what we know is the internet. And my roommate just telling me, uh, he's like, you know, there's this thing that's going to happen called the World Wide Web. And the way he was explaining it, I was like, that makes no sense to me. And he was telling me about what would eventually become instant messenger. He's like, no, you'll be able to talk on your computer to somebody in like Germany in real time for free. Because at the point I, – I remember I had had a girlfriend at the time who was – she took a year to go to Micronesia, to the islands in the South Pacific to teach English to to kids. And uh, and I would call her once a week, and the phone calls would be like $40. Right. You know what I mean? And he was like, oh, yeah. he's like, soon there's going to be the, this internet thing. And I was like, that's impossible. That's like the, the Jetsons. The phone company will go out of business. Right. And, and it all—everything he said came came to fruition. I was like, "This is this is the apocalypse."
1: Yeah, now long distance long calls are practically free anyway because it's like well, I'm just going to use the internet anyway. So
0: yeah, I, I remember like David Spade doing his uh, 1-800 collect commercials. Right. Like you could still call collect, and it's like. No, I'll just I remember
1: Jeff Goldblum doing commercials for email. Do you remember this? I don't no, He was, was like just to, like email is a new thing. Like, yeah, you probably heard about. It. I'm not doing a Goldblum impression, but,
0: <laughs> but I don't know. That's pretty spot. <laughs> that's pretty
1: spot but, on. Yeah, right. But that's email thing. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you want to talk to somebody, you, you, you do it on the
0: the computer with your
1: email. I
0: don't remember that. That was that probably late '90s. Like,
1: I don't know if it was AOL. I don't know. It couldn't have been a commercial for email, but it was must have been like an AOL thing, or I don't know. Just I, gonna, I, just, I just recently. I, I think I Instagrammed this. I, I recently got rid of. Oh man, I, I I'm such your a horror AOL
0: mailers, like AOL,
1: and not only the disk. I had floppies. I had AOL. You know, five free you hours on AOL. That, right. I think I remember. Uh, yeah, I
0: did. I did. Crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember getting my first computer in like '97 or something. Like an iMac, one of those weird uh-huh. bluish. Right. I think they were called Bondi blue. Right. IMAX and uh, which, which probably had like thirty six mega, like fifty, right. sixty four megabytes of RAM. You'll never
1: need like, more than that. Crazy, <laughs> never.
0: And uh, yeah, I was on AOL. Everyone was on AOL. Mm-hmm.
1: Was I ever on AOL? I'm not sure. I th- I was an Earthlink uh, f- adapter from early on. But my first computer, I think, it got in '92. My best friend Joel uh, sold and repaired computers, so he got me on PC. Ooh. So I kind of cut my teeth on the PC. But Are you a PC guy? No, no I'm, I'm a total Mac guy now. But in fact, that was almost a. I uh, my my wife almost didn't get married to me because you know I wasn't a Mac guy. No. Because I was like, what? so I was a PC. You know, at the time, you know, I learned on PC. I was comfortable with PC. It was like we weren't 100% compatible. So I made the switch, and I haven't looked back.
0: I've always been Mac. Every now and then, like, I'll, you know, well, I don't do this anymore, but, like, I'll be at a job. Like, when I was writing for Kimmel, like, all the writers had uh, PCs. You know, they were given PCs in their in the office, and I just hated them. They're, it's so confusing. And I've always been, like, an iPhone guy. And then uh, about five or six months ago, my iPhone broke, like, beyond repair. And I wasn't eligible for an upgrade. Oh, Like, they're like, well, you'll have to buy one for $900 or whatever. And I was like, I can't do that. You can get it from eBay or something, get, like, a used one. I should have done that. But I got, like, a Samsung Galaxy, which is... The hardest part was getting used to, like, just it not being an iPhone. Right. Really, it's a complicated phone. I'm like, oh, this is, like, actual machinery. Do you still have it? I still have it. It's... Yeah, have
1: you have you grown to like it, or you still feel uncomfortable with I'm, it?
0: I'm I'm com- I'm more comfortable with it. I mean, I like that it's a bigger screen and stuff, you know. But um, I, I miss the iPhone. An iPhone is so. Apple products really are easy, and I'm not doing a, a promo for Apple, but they, they're we so... We should much.
1: have, like, 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 children's music playing softly in the background now, like...
0: When my dad, who's, like, 84 now, wanted to get a computer, like, five years ago, I was like, well, we have to get you a Mac, because uh-huh. you will not understand
1: no PC. No, my, 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 my uh, aunt who's in her eighties, uh, we got her an iPad, you know, a few years ago and thinking like it can't get a whole lot simpler than that computer wise. And she's still, I mean, she does emails now and then, but it's, you know, it's still kind of hard for her to get their concept. I'm to.
0: glad they got into it later because they, half the stuff I do or put on the internet is like stuff that they would just be like, <laughs> Oh, what is wrong with you? And don't, don't teach them how to Google your name. I did. I did a show at Largo on Monday night uh, with Doug Benson called "Getting Dug with High." I he can't the,
1: believe he does that. I mean, I, he's I, yeah. is, is that a can, can you, How do you guys get away with that? It's. I don't know. It's. Uh, I think you sign. You sign, like you know uh, waivers and everything oh, we else. We signed a
0: lot of waivers. Doug Benson does a show. The comedian Doug Benson does a show on the Video Podcast Network, which is on YouTube. Uh, every Wednesday, it's a live streaming show called "Getting Dug with High." where he has a guest on and they smoke marijuana. On camera. Live. On camera. On cam... On camel. On camera for an hour, which I was always like, that's crazy. And then a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I'm doing a live show. I'm doing it at Largo. And I was like, is it going to be on camera? And he's like, I don't think so. They don't really have a good connection there. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And uh, and then I show up and they're like, oh, we got the cameras to work. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. But... I mean, it's legal. I mean, it's we all have we all have our medical marijuana cards, so we can smoke it. Um, we had. To all, Wait, what's it. your infirmary? Um, I I do it, and I'm legitimately one of the few people I know that uses it medically. Which is, I've suffered with vertigo for twenty plus years. Uh huh. And the worst part of the vertigo is the nauseousness, you know, uh, or the nausea. And, uh, so if you smoke pot constantly, that kind of helps? Well, I don't do it constantly because <laughs> I, I don't have vertigo 24-7. Uh-huh. Usually it's, you know, once a week or something. Just in
1: social I'll, gatherings, you feel a little like, like you're going to fall down a flight of stairs?
0: No, it's, I, it's really hard to understand or explain. Like, if you... I mean, this is a real thing. This isn't just like an excuse. No, this no, a this thing. is a real thing. If you look up vertigo uh, on the Internet, like, there's... So, well, I know vertigo's a real thing, but... Yeah, there's no, there's so... But there's so many things that can cause it that it's, like, really hard to diagnose. Uh, I mean, all I know is that off and on for 20 years, since college, um, every now and then I'd, you know, just stand up or get up from bed in the morning and the room would be spinning. Wow. Like, literally, like... And I don't know how this works, like, visually, but, like, I could sit and look straight forward, and it would look like the room was spinning. Whoa. I don't know how your eyes do that, but it's it's the worst. And then when that happens, it's just a full day of me just having to lay in and bed.
1: It would, and what, what co- did anything cause it that you can pinpoint?
0: There's uh, – I mean, there's this thing called positional vertigo, which there, – there's these little crystals in our inner, inner ear in the fluid that kind of balance us. And if they – move to a certain side of your inner ear or whatever, that's what throws you off wow. balance wise. I don't get that very often. Maybe once every couple of years uh-huh. I'll get where the room's actually spinning, but I do get, um, very often
1: how are you with like roller coasters with a, uh,
0: i'm all right i i don't can, stuff, can you can you yeah stuff that goes on a circle Stuff that goes in a loop is, is bad yeah i can't do that
1: either i can't do it like like when i was i noticed it in college i was like goofing around on, on like a one of those merry-go-round
0: things on yes, a, playground, a playground and i
1: realized at that point something happened in my inner ear. i cannot do this anymore
0: it's crazy yeah you and usually this stuff doesn't like vertigo doesn't manifest itself until people are getting older but um yeah, it's horrible. It is horrible. I once had it when we were shooting the last episode of Sarah Silverman's show. I mean, the last episode of the series, I had it. And and part of me wonders if it's not um, uh, stress-related. Because it was our last episode, and I was pretty bummed out. And uh, But that whole week, I had vertigo. Not debilitating. It, I was still functional. It, the room wasn't spinning. But it, I felt as though... I had just done that game, you know, where you, you you hold a baseball bat on your forehead and run around in circles, and then they make you stand up and, like, run in a straight line, and you're just kind of, uh, I, I feel a little off. I've never done that. You haven't? Sounds like fun. That's like a picnic game where, you know, like, potato sack races, egg tosses, and then there's a game where they'll have you, two people run, you know, a hundred yards, and there'll they'll be a baseball bat, two baseball bats, and then they hold the baseball bat on the ground, and they put their forehead on top of the baseball bat, and they run around in circles like five times around the baseball bat. I, I should
1: get out more.
0: And then, is... <laughs> no. And then they stand up, and they're supposed to run back. But they're so dizzy that they can't run in on the straight line, and they fall down on it. So that— Fun I, with your brain. It's the worst. And that's I, that's what I've dealt with for like 20 years is just— being a little off balance. A so, lot of time. so
1: the feeling that you feel all the time is for sort of like when you uh, go in circles around a baseball bat.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. And I, I wanted to ask you about this also. I, uh, about three, three and a half years ago, I went vegan for about four or five months, uh-huh. probably about four months. And I, honest to God, never felt better. Like it was the best I had felt since like high school. Like, and then? And then I just kind of... <laughs> I have a hard time ma- maintaining stuff like that, like where you have to work at it. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like if I had stuck with it to the point of it becoming like just a way of living, that I would be fine with it. But it was, I was really working at it. I was writing a script with somebody who was basically vegan, and. I mean, we were riding together, like, every day. And so when we would order food, it was just always easy. I I didn't do it as a choice. It was just always easier for me to just eat whatever she was eating. Right. So I was basically vegan for, like, these four months. And, uh, like, my allergies went away. Like, all my allergies were gone. I had so much more energy. I lost, like, 40 pounds. And I was like, wow, I feel great. Why don't you go back to it, man? We, We finished, and then she left town and, like... Within a day, I was like... And a lot of it also was like... I'll would, be your new vegan friend, Steve. I would love that, Al. A lot of it was like, you know, that whole time we were riding together, I, I also felt guilty. Like, I would, have, I would have felt guilty showing up at her house with like a hamburger, you know, like fast yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. So I was... A lot of it was guilt for me. And then she left town, and I was like, well, I, could, I could get some ribs now. And I, you know, I went down to Gelson's and got some ribs from the deli. And by the way, the first time I ate meat after uh, after I'd been vegan, like I got really sick. Like my stomach was like, "No, nah, yeah. dude, why did yeah. you do this?" And I, I was sick for like two days.
1: Yeah, that that happens because you get used to not eating meat, and your stomach will rebel.
0: But also, the first few days of being vegan, my body was like, "This is weird." Really, I think I was <laughs> detoxing. Uh huh. You know, like I pass. That's another thing. i I'm, I'm sure my body was detoxing when I was going vegan because. I passed a kidney stone, which I've never done since or before. Wow! But like, I think my body was like... This. Oh, was that
1: painful? That sounds extremely painful.
0: It was, You know what's weird? It was not that bad. Really? I've had way worse <laughs> medical problems, like appendicitis. Your
1: Yelp review. <laughs> I had give it way, two stars. I've had
0: way worse. I mean, it could have been much worse. I've had way more painful stand-up shows. <laughs> but um, that wasn't as bad. That was like... Maybe I have a wide urethra, but like... <laughs> And <laughs> also... That's one of your more attractive points. <laughs> Ladies, have you ever been a man, with a man with a urethra as wide Once as you can Why do you go pinky?
1: wide? <laughs> oh, I, my. Uh, <laughs> no, I... Uh, um, you know, my, my wife uh, w- was vegetarian, you know, forever. And when she got pregnant with our child, you know, I remember walking down the street with her and she'd see a billboard for prime rib. And she'd say, mm, that looks good. Really? And I'd say, who
0: are you? But so she, she had at one time in her life eaten meat, right?
1: No, and she, and she eats meat now. Oh, she I mean, does? Well, she, she's still a vegetarian, except she eats meat all the time. So that's, that's the only difference. Well, th- see,
0: okay. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm all over the place. But like with the, with the, uh, with the kidney stone... I think it was because I had been detoxing, but also the pain that I felt because you really you feel it first in your where your kidneys are in your back, and it feels like like a muscle spasm. Uh-huh. Like you've pulled your a muscle in your lower back, like it's right on the the flank. Did, did you there.
1: know at the time what was going, was going on?
0: No, uh, and I I wonder now if I've had kidney stones in the past because when it first hit me, I was like. Uh, threw my back out again this like it was a very familiar feeling i was like ah but it was a little bit more painful and like the the only position i felt fairly comfortable in was standing up and Uh it hit me at like midnight so i was i wanted to go to bed but i'm just like i would lay down and be like ah my back and so i would just walk around the house and then for some reason i was like well in if it is a kidney stone, I, I should start drinking a lot of fluid.
1: Yeah. So by, just, by the way, kids, these are the conversations you'll be having all the time. Once you're age 40, that is
0: crazy. By the way, you're absolutely right. This is like, <laughs> I've heard this as a kid so many times from adults, like going, gross. <laughs> like I, and so I started drinking tons of water. I had probably like 12 glasses of water. I drank like a, a half a gallon of cranberry juice and, uh, Eventually, I got so tired that it, that outweighed the pain in my back, and uh, I went to sleep, and three hours later, I woke up, because I had to go to the bathroom from all the liquid I had drank, and, but when I woke up, no more pain. I was like, oh, my back's better. Went to the bathroom. As I'm going to the bathroom, there was a split second of really sh- razor-sharp pain, oh, but like boom. literally as fast as an eye blink, and so it wasn't that bad, and then... There was my kidney stone. Did you save save it
1: it for the kidney stone fairy?
0: I saved it. I took it to Comic-Con with me the next next day. Of course you did. I I, I guess you can't eBay it because it's like a body part, right? No. I put it in a plastic bag and I was like, I should probably take this with me in case something happens again and I have to show it to a doctor. So I had it (laughs) with me. And then I think the maid in the room threw it out because she just saw an empty oh, plastic bag. that is sad. That bummed me out. But you uh, make, make, made a necklace out of it. I have amazing photos of it, which I'll show, I'll show you if you want to see it. But it was crazy. But it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like giving birth. Like, for guys, it's, you know, the closest thing to giving. It, for no. me, it wasn't that bad. But I know people that have been hospitalized for it. Oh, yeah. But that also made me wonder if I hadn't passed kidney stones in the in the past well
1: if you have like a softball sized kidney stone that's <laughs>
0: dude this was a huge stone it was the size of if you had any microwave popcorn if you took out an unpopped kernel that's how big it wow. was Wow. like and and jagged like a oh, meteor oh yeah ouch you, i don't want to get graphic but there, uh, was there blood involved no blood. really I, i'm i don't understand it i i I a I have a very high, oddly enough, a very high threshold for pain. Like I've I've had a lot of accidents. We'll just see about that. <laughs> Come on, Al, hit me, hit me right here. Oh! <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, veganism. Like I wasn't a conscious vegan. It wasn't like I'm doing this for the animals. It was just out of ease. You know, it was it was convenient. And then she left, and I started eating meat again. And I have a very hard time maintaining. Certain like lifestyle. So I also, when I was working for Kimmel, like my f- the first thing I did when I got a paycheck as a writer was hire a nutritionist because mm-hmm. I was at that time I was like three hundred and fifteen pounds. I was huge. I was like the heaviest I'd ever been, and I hired this nutritionist. And within literally just from diet alone, within two weeks, the first two weeks I lost seventeen pounds. Whoa! From eating, which not was, exercising or anything. Just I wasn't even exercising. Not and, eating garbage. I was just not eating garbage. I wasn't drinking soda. That's a, that's a big one. That's number one. Just like drink water. Yeah. Water is. Is the hardest thing for me to do because it's it's for lack of a better word. Boring. Mm-hmm. It's Like there's no taste to it. It's just like ugh, it's just that's weird. what I tell all those third world people like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, boring.
0: That's why we're all dying of dehydration. <laughs> it's so boring. <laughs> Uh, here, here, Cambodia, here, here, Ethiopia, have this water. Nah. Uh, Do you have Pepsi? <laughs> Pepsi. I, I like the sugar rush, too. Um, but yeah, and I, I was seeing this nutritionist for like five months and like totally maintaining. And again, I think the, sadly, the main element that, made it work for me was i would have to see this woman once a week and if i gained weight i would feel embarrassed it's like she- the biggest loser like he yeah. got on the scale i would feel shitty going in there she's like you gained two pounds back so i would just and i lost like 50 pounds it was crazy and wow and then uh you know i stopped writing for kimmel and i went to do sarah's show which the first year i was making no money so i was like just back to eating shit.
1: Do they have like a, a, a buffet table at Kimmel? I mean, it, it, like yes. if you're in environments where like food is just there, yes. like the bowl of M&Ms, like yes. stuff you know you shouldn't eat, but it's there. It's just there right was there. a
0: kitchen connected to my office with no door. It was just like my office and a kitchen. That, well, that's it, man. Which was stocked. That's with, the worst. It just Red Vines, m and right. sodas, Hot Pockets in the freezer. It was crazy. And then when I saw the nutritionist, I would have to bring my own food to work. And that was the other thing is every writer's meeting was at lunch. And so they were always catered. Mm -hmm. And they'd be having barbecue, Italian. And I'd have to sit there with my little Tupperware of broccoli and tilapia and just be like, (laughs) so miserable. And in the first week, I remember the first week I kept calling my nutritionist every day going, I think something's wrong. I feel really sick. I feel terrible. And uh, she's like, no, you're detoxing. She's like, give it five days. And sure enough, the fifth day I woke up and was so energetic. And and it, it's, I don't need to see a nutritionist or anything. It, it's all common sense, too. Did you ever do a,
1: a colonic irrigation no. Have you done that? I did it once a long time ago because I thought, like, that's part of the healthy. Because I, I heard there's, like, five pounds of undigested meat in that's your what... system. Even if you've been vegetarian for 20 years, it's still there. And I thought, you know, well, let me get that out. And, <laughs> you know, it was a weird, it was a weird process. I, you know, that goes without saying. But I, the same thing happened. Like, the, the toxins were going through. Like, like, a, like, a day later, I'd get, like, violently ill because, like, the toxins would still be, like, exiting my system. And right. I don't know if it made me healthier or anything thing like that but I just remember that you know. Such a
0: bummer. I, I mean I when I had my appendix out I while they were testing to find out what the problem was I had to go through all these crazy tests like barium enemas regular enemas which as a teenager is like I'm an adult male right now. I still would hate to have that shit done. Well sure. Like, as a teenage boy it's humiliating to have a, a nurse like a cute nurse in her 20s come in and put a hose in your butt and like
1: Oh, humiliating. Right, Steve. Pay <laughs> good <laughs>
0: money for that stuff. Please.
1: It was I'm wrong. so
0: humiliated. Oh. This is the worst. And she's like, all right, we're, we're done. Are you sure? <laughs> What's your safe word? Do you have everything you need? Uh, no, I, I mean, I would. And that's that's the other thing. Um, is I... I and I don't know if this is true, but I mean, maybe it's just the way I I shop or stuff. But it feels more expensive to eat better.
1: It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? I mean, if you like, if you shop at like you know Whole Foods and some of the places Whole Foods that cater,
0: is kind of expensive, yeah. But if I but also if I'm like just out driving around and I get really hungry, I'm I'm lazy to the point where I'm like, I, I don't want to wait till I get home, then take out some broccoli, steam it, you know, make a piece of fish or something. I'm just like, right. No, oh, there's, there's in yeah. there. and out. Yeah. And
1: also a lot, money. a lot of restaurants charge the same for vegetarian as for, you know, the meat, chicken or shrimp. Yeah. You know, thing. Like, you know, tofu and vegetables do not cost as much as like, you know, steak.
0: Yeah. And it's, I, it's a, also just a huge problem in our country of like the fast food is right. So cheap. Like you can go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger for 79 cents. That such it it seems like a crime, you know what I mean? Now, I, I,
1: does the government subsidize that? I mean, I think there's some kind of money changing hands. There's got to be in order for it to
0: be that cheap. Because there has to be. I don't how how does that work? I don't know. It should be illegal. Fast food should be illegal. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's it's crazy to me. Like as someone who's just dealt with with these problems for you know, and I was I mean, when I was younger, I had like really high metabolism, like. You know, until I was 20, 29 or 30, I was just as thin as a rail. Like, I've seen but, old pictures, man. I was, yeah, I was also very active. Like, before I came to L.A. and started acting and writing, you know, and taking jobs where I was sitting around all the time and getting free food, <laughs> I was, you know, I was mountain biking and rock climbing and I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah, the sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, get a job editing.
1: Get a job writing. D- attach you to a kitchen with free Twizzlers. Uh, you're done.
0: Are are you vegan?
1: Well, you know, I'm a bad vegan. I'm a good vegetarian. But like the same kind of thing. Like you know, we'll be in the tour bus after the show, and somebody will plop a cheese pizza down. Like <sighs> yeah. eh, sometimes you got to sample it.
0: But so you're not you're particularly vegan, but vegetarian.
1: I'm vegetarian, vegan leaning. I, I I try to be vegan, but every now and then I you know. I, I I fall by the wayside.
0: It's, I mean, ideally I would just, you know, eat. A, a, and it's it's all common sense. When anytime you sit down to eat food, you know it, what when you're putting it in your mouth, if it's good for you or not. Right. You're, we're not that stupid. Like <laughs> I'm not sitting down with a, a, a hamburger and or a you know a, a McDonald's hamburger, going, well, if I take off the bun, this is healthy. I mean, it's healthier, but. It's still shit. Right. I should be eating, you know, <laughs> broccoli and sweet potatoes. <laughs> Steve Agee from McDonald's. Ugh, God damn it. Oh, my. Let's take some questions. Oh, okay. I, uh, I tweeted for people to ask questions. Um, what do they want to know? We'll tell you. Oh, shit. I'll have to go to my phone because I don't, I'm not online here. Do you, need, oh, do you want the, the code here? Um. Nope, I'll just do it from my phone that will okay. be easier anyway um, People tweeted We had the hashtag Uh, Al Is there like a theme song for this part of the show? No, I wish Do you want to record a theme song? People <laughs> tweeted <laughs> um, Alright, here we go And some of these people I'm sure you are Familiar with from Twitter They're probably huge fans Like uh, Alejandra Uh DD Is it DD or Double (laughs) D I don't want to assume anything Um, She had a lot for you She's from Argentina Yeah I think she started following me Around the AG5000 time Because Mm -hmm. of you Her and uh, Ludovica Right exactly From the UK Yep Okay so uh, Are you going to watch The Super Bowl halftime show And think that should be me Up there you- there, there was a, a, a fan-based
1: uh, petition going around trying to get me to play the Super Bowl, and it, it made a lot of noise. I mean, I never in a million years thought it was ever going to happen, uh, but TMZ picked up on it. Uh, the, a New York uh, newspaper picked up on it, and it became sort of a, a, a cause celebre.
0: How long ago was this?
1: Well, It, it, was, for the previous, I think it was for the previous Super Bowl, uh, but there's still people out there trying to make it happen.
0: It actually it, it I, I think it totally would make sense you know cuz you have a huge audience like you reach out cuz you, you 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 have people who love you who love hip hop who love country like it seems like a, a, it would be a, a like a no brainer like, sometimes the choices they have on the Super Bowl halftime show, I'm like, really? It, it,
1: it would be the most terrifying thing ever. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you, you could be the most popular person in the world. If you play the halftime show at the Super Bowl, there will be millions of people that hate
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a bummer to me. Like, the more popular you get, the more, like, you start becoming aware of people, right. people that don't like you. And you're like... <laughs> But I'm a nice person. Why is this person threatening my life? Right, like you know the, the most. You got
1: kind of like, well, who would who 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 would dislike that person? How would you have any ill feelings? No, no. If if you're in that kind of position where you're playing halftime the Super Bowl, no matter how good you are and how popular
0: people will hate you. Yeah, it's crazy. Ugh. What's the largest crowd you've ever played in front of?
1: Um, it was a hurricane relief thing in the late 90s with Gloria Estefan and uh, Crosby, Stills Nash and a, a bunch of people. I think Bobcat was actually there for that one. Uh-huh. Uh, Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. I think it was like 73,000
0: people. Jesus. Was that terrifying? You know, Do you get nervous? I do.
1: I sense? do. That, that wasn't as terrifying as you'd think. Once, you know, you, I, I do the same show for five people as, as I do for 50,000, you know. It's, yeah. it's sort of like you don't really – anybody beyond the first hundred seats, you kind of figure like they're watching you on television anyway. Yeah. They, they're just kind of out there. So it doesn't really register.
0: It's weird. It gets to a point – I used to – I mean – When I first started doing stand-up, like, the first time I did it, I think I was, like, 18. I was terrified to go up in front of a room of, you know, like, 50 people. And I I always remember, like, as a kid watching, you know, like, say, award shows, like the Oscars, and just thinking when the people go out to present. Like, not the people who won, but, like, just a presenter asked to go out. Like, that must be terrifying. And it always looks bigger on TV, but, like... You know, they're at the the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, and there's like 8,000 people. I'm like, that's got to be terrifying. It it
1: blows my mind to see people like Billy Crystal and and their other hosts that that, that just really uh, show no uh, fear whatsoever. I mean, you could tell they're not even nervous. And I would be having, like, diarrhea on stage (laughs) if I had to do that
0: gig. No, but but then, I mean, the more you do it, the easier it gets. I, I remember... Uh, I, uh, I went to open for Sarah at, uh, Stanford university and she asked me if I would go and I was like, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I don't really have 20 minutes of material. This was like a long time ago. She's like, just show some of your short films. So I brought a DVD and I was for some reason thinking it was going to be in like the student union, like, you know, the cafeteria. I don't know why I was thinking that, but we get there and it's in this theater that's like 2000 seats. And I am immediately have like a nervous stomach and I'm like terrified. And I asked the guy, I'm like, uh, who do I give this DVD to? And he's like, Oh, we don't have a projector. And Sarah just started laughing. She's like, well, <laughs> I guess you got to wing it. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I had to go out and stage in front of 2000 people. Oh. And like, I think the most I'd been in front of it, at that point it was like 200 and, uh, that was terrifying. Once you go out and, like, start talking, it's fine. Right. It's, it's always it's de- right before. It's
1: always right. But once you get out there, it's, it's okay. But, man, I, I don't normally get nervous. But anytime it's a, a new situation or the start of a tour or if I'm playing L.A. or New York, for whatever reason, that kind of freaks yeah. me out. I will be, like, you know, and that afternoon I'll be, like, in a fetal position on the floor in the dressing room just, like,
0: yeah. from nerves. No. And, I mean, I've, I think the biggest crowd I did was also opening for Sarah in New York at uh, – Hammerstein Ballroom was going uh-huh, uh-huh. and that was for a lot of people. And that it was—it's the same. Once you walk out, you can't see past the first like six or seven rows because of the <laughs> light. So it's like, oh, this is all right.
1: I, I don't know what, what what your brain is thinking. Like, once you get out there, it's fine. You're just wondering like if you're gonna get like a bottle in the head in the first five seconds. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> I immediately start before one of those shows. I'm editing myself. Like, okay, is there anyone that I could possibly offend? Any jokes that I, I would? offend like i'll just cut out or uh, i used to do a thing in stand-up where i before every show i would like peek through the curtains and just look at the audience i still do that
1: you do i I still do that
0: i don't do it anymore because it really bums me i get really affected and I, i like look for like People who I think are—I don't know—are going to be trouble. I,
1: I do this thing. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I, 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 as much as I love it to have a sold-out house, I always feel a little bit better if some of the back seats are empty. Yeah. Because then I put myself in the mindset: "Was like, I'm going to make them sorry they missed the show. This yeah, is going to yeah. be awesome." Yeah. They'll—they'll
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, they'll come next time because their friends will tell them how awesome it was. I, I had to stop because I'd get really bummed out if I would see older people. I'd be like, they're not going to get me. They're going to hate me. Oh,
1: you know what? When I first started out, like, way a long time ago, I would have, like, the blue-haired old ladies on the front row thinking I was Frankie Yankovic's kid, and I was going to be doing, like, polka music all oh, night. Oh, my God. And they'd hear, like, another <laughs> the power chords from the guitars, and
0: the, the amps would, like, blow their hair back, and they would be gone. <laughs> 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 That's so crazy. Yeah, it was like that, or if I would see... Every now and then you get a couple that comes with, like, a six-year-old kid, and I'm like... You <laughs> have to edit my whole act now because of that one kid right, rather right. than like, oh, it's their problem. right? So I just stopped like looking, you know, and it's made a huge difference <laughs> because I would immediately be like, oh, I can't tell this joke. I can't tell this right. and uh, I have to stop. <laughs> Speaking of Frankie Yankovic, I remember being in a record store. I think I emailed you or hit you up on Twitter after I was at uh, that record store by UCB. I was going through records and I found a uh, Frankie Yankovic and this w- that was the first I'd heard of him and I was like, "Are you related to Frankie? Yeah, because I get that. He's an the accordion t- player. Right.
1: And what are the odds? Well, you know, I think that's uh, he's maybe the reason that my parents decided that I should take take accordion lessons because Frankie Yankovic was America's polka king. Yeah, we had a bunch of his old seventy eight rpm records in the attic and they thought, oh, well, you know, we'll have young Alfred learn to play the accordion.
0: Uh, Did and- your parents have his albums because they were into polka or because his last name? was Yankovic, and they're like, oh, we should check this out.
1: I don't know. Maybe a little above. I, I really don't know. But uh, no, it was, it was very bizarre. I mean, I got to meet Frankie Yankovic uh, when I did a, special, a C- special on CBS called Weird Al's Guide to the Grammys. And it was the first year that <laughs> Polka was a category at the Grammys. Yeah. So we flew him out, and we gave him a fake star on the Hollywood Boulevard Walk of no, Fame. Into no, oh, this whole awesome. Frankie Goes to Hollywood segment.
0: <gasps> that's amazing. Um, yeah, that, that was shocking to me. I was like, oh, well, I've, I've found a, a relative. Oh, you
1: know, you know what? Um, uh, uh, while my parents were still alive, somebody had... Uh, F- Frankie Yankovic, the accordion player, passed away. And that morning, somebody called me up, woke me up and said, I'm so sorry to hear your dad died. And I was like, what, what? And I was like, then I found out, like, within 30 seconds, no, it was Frankie Yankovic. And they didn't even apologize. They're just like, oh, my bad, huh? Oops. <laughs>
0: It is, I mean, it is strange that it was, uh, like, the hugest accordion player is also named.
1: Right. So everybody just assumes that. In fact, I think M- NBC News, when Frank Yankovic died, they tagged it with, but his music lives on in his no, son, Weird Al Yankovic. No way. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Um, do you, how many accordions do you own?
1: I think five. I've got a couple on the road. I've got a couple in the house, uh, one in Hawaii. Are you
0: uh, sponsored? Uh, like spon- do you have like a, an, an Al Yankovic like <laughs> <of> accordion? <laughs>
1: no. Uh, Roland has given me a couple of uh, MIDI accordions. No uh, so I don't know if that qualifies as a sponsorship, but they gave it to me for free. So that's that's nice.
0: How do you use a MIDI accordion? I mean, do you?
1: It's a, you, just like a regular accordion, except the, the keys and the buttons could be any sound you program into it. So it could sound like a piano, it could sound like a bass guitar, like. A tuba
0: i have this this midi guitar it's kind of like a dg 20 or whatever but it's i forget what who makes it i got it because uh liam lynch had one and uh i was like and i i can play guitar and bass but i i can't play piano which is my one of my biggest regrets because i really wish i knew how to play and uh when i found out these things existed they were it was amazing it's like a guitar but it's MIDI, you know what I mean? And so I I plug it into into my computer, and I go through Logic or whatever, and I can... I can play chord, I can play piano now, and mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, I go the many. other way
1: i've I've never learned how to play guitar, but really? I, yeah, you think I would have at some point, but I just never have because I've got a great band, and you know'm not like I'm gonna take take their jobs away from them so
0: do you do you play any other I mean obviously you probably play a little piano at least because yeah, well, yeah, keyboard. absolutely
1: I mean you know the accordion is half piano, so I just need to teach my left hand to play sort of like what the right hand is doing and uh but you no know, other than keyboard instruments, not so much, I played a little harmonica in the live show and a, a few things like that But yeah it's all, it's all MIDI Whenever I need another instrument I just do it on the keyboard
0: When you record Do you Do you have your own stu- Do you have a studio here Or do you Well it's a, it's
1: a laptop And a keyboard basically I mean you know I, I do I do demos here uh, Which are you know they, they, they get the job done But when we do it for real For the album Then we go to a, a You know Do you use nice Pro, studio.
0: Pro Tools Or Logic
1: We I use Pro Tools uh, In the studio At home I use Digital Performer Old uh, school
0: Digital Performer I Yeah DP man era. I I was uh, Pro Tools for a long time, but I I just never I I was a musician for a long time. I came to L.A. with a band. I wanted mm-hmm. to. I, I just God, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> but uh, uh, then I found comedy, and uh, so I I can play, but and I I record a lot at my house on uh, what was uh, Pro Tools for a long time, but I I just technically I'm just. A moron. So I, I always just know enough to record tracks, but I, I have no idea how to master or mix them. So like, I have probably a hundred recordings at home that are all just like the worst mixed. <laughs> Every now and then I'll put them, you know, out on my Tumblr side or YouTube, and it's just like. People are like, this sounds fucking horrible. <laughs> like, songs that I love, but they're just like, you know, the vocals are buried or there's like too much drums. And I'm just like, I, I don't well, know. You,
1: so you can't, you don't know how to mix or you don't.
0: I can get levels. And are you using Logic, you said? I use li- uh, I got, it really got Jules. into Logic after, again, Liam showed me because I was like, Pro Tools is really confusing. Well, well, the
1: thing that kind of bugged me with Pro Tools when I was trying to learn it was that they want you to have a computer just for Pro Tools because they say, yeah. don't upgrade your computer. You're like, you know, th- it yeah. works with this exact system and we'll yeah. tell you an your computer. And I'm like, nah.
0: No. And, and again, it's like an Apple thing where logic is so much. E- it like makes sense to me. Like, right. Everything is so easy. And then like the plugins are all there already in like. I can just plug in my guitar and like oh I want a, a guitar sound like Brian May or I want right. a glam sound or it, it it's amazing but yeah I can I can record but i don't know you know all the technical stuff like how to punch in if i make a mistake all my songs are one take like every guitar track you hear is like one take if i fuck up i i go back delete it and keep Uh going i don't know how to do inserts or any of that stuff
1: yeah liam tried to get me into logic at one point i think but i I, you know i i kind of i'm used to digital performers so it's like you know why like go through a whole learning curve again
0: if it's not broke don't don't fix it yeah i was always just like never good enough so I'm like oh yeah I'll do this um, someone had a really interesting question about you walking off stage a long time ago and w- wondering if you were sick huh where is it it was like a, a concert in 86 let me see if I can find it I'm trying to think if that's he's like weird owl walked off stage for about a minute I'm like well maybe he was changing costumes or that's, something. That, that's, that's the like, most likely scenario up or, uh, have you ever been sick had to do a show while you're sick
1: Oh yeah, I, I did a show in Vancouver where I had a 104 fever, oh. and I'm one of these "the show must go on" kind of guys. Like, I, I don't think I've ever canceled a show of my own volition. I mean, I've had promoters cancel a show day of and things like that, but I've never said no. I'm too sick, or for whatever reason, I've always done the show. Uh, yeah, it was a 104 fever. I was like, like dead before the show, knocked it out, and then <laughs> then I was dead again. That's crazy.
0: Were you throwing I, I, up? No,
1: I, I wasn't throwing up. It was one of those kind of. No, I don't think so. I've certainly never throw, thrown up on stage and if, if i did i would throw up you know into the audience i wouldn't like go backstage i mean you know it was
0: so punk rock al puked on us I, i'd want to give people a,
1: a youtube clip at the very least if that was happening
0: um no that's it's i'm so neurotic and such a germaphobe and hypochondriac that literally my one of my biggest fears about doing live shows or booking shows is once i'll book a show i immediately am afraid like What if my vertigo is really bad that Mm -hmm. day and I can't perform? What if I get sick? Like, this time of year, flu season, I'm always like... What if I get the flu? Well,
1: that, that's it's horrifying. Is it's like I I kind of will myself to stay well during yeah. a tour because and then a lot of times I will just collapse after a tour and be sick because it's sort of like I just hold off being sick just a little while longer because yeah. if you lose your voice and this has happened and it's horrifying if you lose your voice there's no way to get it back really the the only way to cure laryngitis is to Rest. not talk for a week and if you're doing a show every night that's not going to happen
0: so it's like do you it, do all the vocal warm ups I and, do like, the weird. The tea br- drink? Br-
1: yeah, my daughter makes fun of me. Like every show, like 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs>
0: da- Daddy, what are you doing? He's, he's talking and speaking in tongues. Uh, okay. Nerduso uh, asks, what's your favorite song of yours? And what's your least favorite of per- mine? To perform.
1: Oh, to perform. Uh, you know, I have there, there's there's none that I dislike. I, I think probably the one I look look forward to the most is uh, "Want to Be Your Lover," which is my original song, which is sort of like Beck doing Prince, yeah. kind of like and and I like that because I, I leave the staging, I go out into the audience, yeah. and I just mess with people. That's awesome. And and, and it's different every night because you yeah. never know like what's going to happen or how people are going to react or what you know anything could, anything can happen. Yeah. So that that's always fun
0: for me. Yeah. Do you have a least favorite? Have you ever done, like, one of your really long—what's your Trapped in the Closet parody? Yeah, Trapped in the Drive-Thru. Trapped in the—have you done that live?
1: Uh, I've done uh, portions of it. I think one tour I did, like, the third verse, and the next tour I did the second verse. I've never done the whole thing in one stretch.
0: Here's another question. Here's one I have—I wanted to ask. I'm glad I just remembered, because I've been kind of obsessed with this lately. Do you ever need to use a teleprompter? Do you remember no, all your lyrics? I do. Although, you know what? If
1: I, if I had a teleprompter, I would have a lot less stage fright because that's my number one fear when yeah. I go out there. It's like, I'm just going to blank out. I've, have and, you and, ever? And, uh, yes. I mean, songs that I've done literally over a thousand times, sometimes I will be in the middle of the song. and like, <laughs> I have no idea what the next line is. And, yeah. that, and that terrifies me. Yeah.
0: That's t- why I stopped doing like plays, like live theater, like I, I did. I, th- I think I've done maybe three plays, and like I was too much of a nervous wreck. Like I'm gonna forget a fucking line yeah. and ruin this person's play.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I do not look down on, on you know, musicians or uh, rec- artists that have a teleprompter at front of stage. I think that's awesome. That
0: would, if I could afford to do that, I'd be doing that. I I was just watching. uh there's that station on cable, Palladian or... Pa- yeah, yeah, yeah. it right. show's just a lot of concerts. Uh-huh. And they, were, uh, they did a, um, like a two-hour concert thing of... Um, um, who was it? Steven Tyler. Um, uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. They did... I, and I just got sucked into it. And I, at one point, there was a, an overhead camera and like... He was walking back, and I'm like, oh, shit, there's a fucking yeah. teleprompter." Yeah, I,
1: I did a, 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 a New Year's Eve show with Steven Tyler and Alice Cooper in Hawaii, and we had a teleprompter on stage oh, for that. That's it was really awesome.
0: Nice. I, I saw I the had, video had, you I, posted.
1: It was, it was so great, though. It was like, you Love know, is all you need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that on the teleprompter? It was. <laughs> God.
0: I wish they had that for stand-up, because I always I have a notebook on stage with me with, like, keywords, so I remember. Just jokes, which is ridiculous. But... um. Yeah, I had a, I have a friend who's in a band and I was at Conan doing um, I was doing a sketch for Conan. This was just like a few months ago, and his band was on there and they were just doing one song and I I saw them rehearse and then we were both backstage before the show and I noticed he had a bunch of sh- stuff written on his hand. Mm-hmm. I was like, what's that? Because it wasn't like full song lyrics. He's like, oh, it's just keywords uh-huh. for you know the beginning of verses so right. I can remember. I'm right. Like, You're doing one song. You're not doing a whole concert. He's like, he's like, I forget lyrics. Constantly.
1: I respect that. You know what? I I did the Craig Ferguson show, I think it was last year, and it was for a song that we'd been doing in concert, like, forever, and, you know, I had it down cold, and they asked if I wanted a teleprompter, and I said no, and and I didn't forget the words, but the whole time I was nervous, thinking, like, the whole time I'm singing, thinking, (laughs) I should ask for the teleprompter. Why didn't I ask for the teleprompter? Yeah, once they put it in your brain that's an option, you're
0: like... (laughs) I should have gone with the teleprompter. Yeah,
1: because, you know, you know why, why not have the safety net, man? It's like, you know, it's a, if it's a big show or a lot have of you pressure. Have you and-
0: like, really screwed up lyrics and just, like, gotten so far off that you had to start over again? You know, oh, one of the
1: worst experiences of my life, my professional life, was I was on the um, uh, live with Regis and Kathy Lee. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they, they couldn't afford to have the whole band come out. This was like 19, I'm going to say 92. Uh, they, could, they, they just wanted me with the accordion, which normally I, I don't ever do that. But it's sort of yeah. like I wasn't being offered a lot of other national TV shots. So it's like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and I did a Achy Breaky song, my oh, Achy Breaky yeah, yeah, art thing. Yeah. And I got through the first verse and chorus. And everybody's clapping along, having a good time. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out how the second verse started. Oh and I'm vamping along. God. I'm playing. And I'm just playing, playing the same look over and over. And finally, Regis says, why did you forget the words? Yes, Regis, I forgot the words. <laughs> We're at Al Yankovic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's
0: incredible. I love hearing that shit because I'm like, it makes me feel less bad about when, oh. when I forget. Oh. Isn't it
1: awful? I, I, feel, <laughs> I, I, have, uh, I, I take a small amount of pleasure when other people forget words because I think, it's not just me. It's not
0: just me. <laughs> uh, Hunter Laurie asks uh what 's the laziest thing you 've ever done to both of us I think that 's a weird question because I think a the, the, the better phrasing of that would be what's what's the lazy? what 's the thing you haven 't done because you were like if i 'm lazy i 'm not going to do anything that 's right. the laziest thing i've done but haven
1: 't i well e- Well, since we were talking about it, learning how to play guitar, I mean, you know, as a musician, that would be a skill that you'd think that I would have, you know, learned, especially because I've played guitar in so many videos. It would be nice to have a rudimentary knowledge of chords instead of like, (laughs) now, every time I hold a guitar on stage, it's totally a prop. Did you, did you take, you had to have
0: taken accordion lessons. Three years of accordion lessons. something you couldn't pick up.
1: Age of seven to 10. That's my formal musical training.
0: And then everything else is self-taught? Yeah. Do you read music? I do. You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you learned to read music in those oh, seven yeah. to ten.
1: Yeah, I learned all sorts of music theory. I, you know, I, yeah, and you retained it. Well, you know, I, 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 worked, I, I kept cause working you on keep it. Keep
0: working because,
1: like, the accordion lessons they were teaching are classical pieces and polkas and things like that, and they weren't they weren't teaching like Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin. or sort yeah. of like the, the stuff I was listening to. You know, there was a disconnect there, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to stop the lessons. I'm just going to figure this out on my own.
0: Because I went. I mean, when I first came to LA, I enrolled at the Musicians Institute because. I just wanted to learn to read music in charts, and I wanted to learn proper technique and theory, and I did. I, I spent a year, just like 12 hours a day at that place, just learning to read music. But then after it was over, I, you know, I wasn't in a band for a long time, so I wasn't playing. I had no reason to read, and I have completely, if you put a sheet of music in front of me, I wouldn't be able to read it. I I would be able to figure it out, but I would literally have to sit down for a long time going, uh, okay, this is, oh, this is E. Right. Well, you know,
1: I I can't really, if if it's really complex, I I, I can't sight read. I mean, Frank Zappa was famous for the Black Page. And my my bass player, Steve J actually auditioned for Frank Zappa years and years ago. But it was the same thing. It was called the Black Page. It was like a a sheet of music with so many notes on it, it was almost black. And he put the Black Page in front of you and said, okay, play it. And you're supposed to just sight read it and play it as written.
0: And, Is if, you, it and if you could, and if you, it was
1: legitimate music. And, <laughs> it wasn't and, him and fucking if you, with you and, no, no, and, and if you couldn't play it, like you didn't have the chops.
0: Yeah, I love. I really, I I love hearing Frank Zappa audition stories. There's there's a few online. There's one of Steve Vai talking about auditioning, and then him like Zappa giving him some music, saying, "Okay, play this." Like really complicated music, him playing and say, okay, play it backwards. <laughs> like start at the at the end of the you know the bar and play it backwards, and then and then he'd be like, okay, now play it in a different key, play it in a different time signature, and then uh, he says at the end of the audition, he's like, uh, all right, I hear uh, you know who was it? Linda Ronstadt's looking for a guitar player, <laughs> you know, like really putting him down, but he he hired him anyway. He was joking, <laughs> but like after that whole harsh like audition, saying. No, I think Linda Ronstadt needs a guitar player, though. But like, I've heard like really grueling like (laughs) audition stories. Like he was a monster, like not as a human, but like 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 a technical like yeah amazing musician. He was a
1: perfectionist. I mean, everything I've read and heard about him, he's just like a a very demanding guy. But I mean, that's he he can't do
0: a show like he does or did uh, without having that kind of standard. I went to I was at the baked potato like a few weeks ago in in North Hollywood, which was a jazz club, and I uh, I went with uh, Do you know Brendan Small? Yeah, sure. I went with him and because uh, we were going to see uh, Joe Travers play. He was like an amazing drummer uh, with Mike Keneally, who was Zappa's like go to guy, like an, an amazing guitar player. Um, and I just sat and watched those guys, and I was like. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> I see stuff like that, and I'm like, why do I own a guitar and a bass? Like <laughs> These guys are so good. It's You crazy. might play Felinda Ronstadt at some point in your life. You never know. <laughs> oh, maybe. Is she touring? I would like to go out on the road with there. Um, it's all
1: Mexican songs
0: now, isn't it? Me canto tu libre biblioteca. Rain I, Wilson had a question for us. He really didn't, he didn't hashtag it so the I'm, power of rain so I'm having trouble finding it but I, I think the basic gist of what scares you the most what are you most afraid of oh i I'm, I'm I'm afraid of emails from rain wilson they <laughs> they terrify me no no um gosh, what? hmm, did you do that Ingrid Michaelson video? Did he ask you to do that
1: which what's that
0: uh is it Ingrid michaelson yeah I did a music video that I he, guess not. Uh, he uh, asked he asked a bunch of people to be in. Like, I think he was asking big, like, bear-like guys. It was like me and Rob Delaney. And... Okay.
1: No. I guess I not. I guess not. Uh, what, what scares me? Um, well, we talked about the stage fright thing. That's definitely part of it. Um, you know, I, I think mostly just falling off of skyscrapers covered with snakes. You afraid of heights?
0: No, not really. Afraid of flying? Um, I would guess no, not. You, no. you have a place in Hawaii, right? Yeah, yeah. So you that would suck if you were afraid. Yeah, I don't I
1: don't I don't have any like real irrational fears. I mean the, th- the things I'm afraid of would be things most, you know, sentient beings would be afraid of, I think.
0: I Yeah, my my biggest fears are yeah, like I it's weird. I I have an obs- obsession with death, but I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of being dead. I am afraid though of dying. You know, I'm afraid of like I don't want to be the guy that's been stabbed and then I'm laying there like <gasps> Like, so that's, so that's a fear of mine. I'm afraid of moths. Moths. I'm terrified of. moths. Okay, that's weird. Is there a, is there a name for that? There's got to be. I but, but I'm not afraid of butterflies. Like like tiny moths, big moths make any difference? Any kind of moth. We, we
1: get these huge moths in Hawaii, which we you know we, we'll we'll see one. We'll go
0: ah oh, mothra. I I used to have a mothra joke, and it never once got a laugh. <laughs> I even did it on a tour where we did it with Tignataro and we. We did a show in a Japanese toy store in San Francisco, and I was like, oh, I'm going to break out my Mothra joke. Silence. I was like, that's the last time I'm doing that joke. <laughs> if it didn't kill in oh, a what, Jap- Okay,
1: we got to hear it now. Well,
0: it was... Uh, uh, I, I God, it's been so long. It's something to the effect of... I, I have a fear of flying, and uh, recently I uh, was waiting to get on a plane, and uh, as we were boarding, I noticed that... There was a huge group, uh, which is true. There was a huge group of like Japanese exchange students also getting on the plane. Like three quarters of the f- flight was Japanese people. And, uh, which was horrifying to me because not only am I afraid of flying now, I have to be afraid of the plane getting attacked by Mothra. <laughs> never <laughs> got a laugh. I'm, I'm giving you a laugh right now. <laughs> I know, you're giving me a sympathy laugh. <laughs> never got a laugh. And I was like, yeah, it really isn't that funny. It, it, once it bombed in a Japanese toy store, I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. fuck it. I'm retiring this joke. Yeah, you have to uh,
1: you know weigh the racist versus funny thing and see if it's funny enough to be racist. But
0: I, yeah, it's almost <laughs> yeah, not worth it. Oh, here's the here was that question at, at your 86th show in Dixon, Illinois. <laughs> my 86th or my 1986, 1986 okay show in Dixon, Illinois. I've been
1: counting your shows, and a show number 86.
0: And this is from Reverend G.B. Uh, you ran off stage mid-song for thirty to sixty seconds while the band played on. Were you vomiting? Did, didn't we just talk about this? Yeah, that's why I, I couldn't find it. So I just okay, asked okay.
1: You. Um, <laughs> I, I I I doubt it. I, I was probably either costume change or, gosh, could have been any number of things. I don't know. But but no, I, I definitely would have vomited. You know, into the crowd.
0: I I heard a, a great story by. Uh, Jeff Tweedy from wilco uh about like pooping himself on stage on stage he, he was sick i i 'm not sure i don 't remember if it was from drugs or being sick, but he was on stage doing a concert and he pooped himself and <laughs> kept he did the whole concert and he even like admitted it to the audience was like. Uh, yeah, I just uh, shit my pants, uh, so that happened, <laughs> and just still did the show. I'm, like, such a well, pussy. There, there, there's like... there are
1: some people that can get away with stories like that, but Al Roker tells uh, <laughs> one story.
0: <laughs> I would immediately be like, um, I'm sorry, the concert is over, and, like, left. Like, that's... Was
1: it? No, who was it? What was the band that they stopped the show because they were getting pooped on by, was it was it Birds? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Wilco, was it? No, or what? I don't know. This was a couple of years ago, but I, I made fun of them. Like you know, yeah, one of my bass players getting pooped on. He does the. He finishes a the set. You know? They were really. They had a problem it, with like it was, birds it was or something. something. I think that was it. We were attacked by moths. Was it moths? No, no. wait. No, it wasn't my, We were attacked by bugs. There was an infestation, a sh- uh, show at a, like a fair somewhere in Illinois. Like cicadas or something? It wasn't that. It was some kind of, uh, like, you know, they come around once a year. I don't think it was cicadas, though. But we were covered with these bugs. Like they were, you know, in our drinking water on stage, like on our towel, on the instruments. On your covered. They're on our skin. And Dude. again, we finished the whole set.
0: <laughs> but we were covered that with is bugs. Horrifying. I, I I'm. I, I need to just go back to writing because as a live performer, there's so many things that would make me <laughs> just be like, "Sorry, you guys, I, I, I can't do this." No, a lot of shows that aren't going well. I think at least I'm not covered with bugs. <sighs> okay, that guy there, eight five eight, asks, "Why is the moon not made of cheese?" So it would probably rot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, How do you get dairy products on the moon? Um. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, are there any musicians you'd like to do a parody duet? W- a duet with that's from Serve Crow. Yeah. Um. Have you uh, also have you played with people you've parodied? You did I, I, uh, a couple uh, of Mark times. Mark Knopfler. You've. You know, he, I, I, to this you, right? day,
1: I've never met Mark Knopfler, but he played the guitar on uh, my Money for Nothing parody. Oh, he did? Yeah. Uh, I, I did a thing on Canadian television for an award show where I played with uh, Crash Test Dummies. Really? On their parody. Yeah, they're, awesome. they're, they're doing their song, and I came out in, a, in a, a wig looking like the lead singer and did the last verse with my lyrics.
0: <laughs> the audience must have gone yeah. nuts. Yeah,
1: that was great. That's great. Uh, I'm trying to think. What was, what was the question again?
0: Um, are there any musicians you'd like to do a per- you know, parody when I, this. I don't know, when, when, this, I don't know
1: when this podcast is coming out. There's something that we were trying to put together for uh, 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 Jonah Jonah Ray's TV show, which may or may not happen, but that if that were, happens as planned, that's going to be a cool little duet. But, oh, awesome. uh, But I can't talk about it, and there's no guarantees it'll happen.
0: We'll save it. I think this will be out next week. Um, uh, theoretically... This is Neil before Paul. Theoretically, if you could be any type of marsupial in the world, would you still enjoy tamales? First would, of all, what marsupial would you most like to be? Oh,
1: gosh. Um, probably a baby kangaroo. Does that qualify? Yeah, sure. All right. uh, and I would, you know, I would, uh, I would have probably a, a green corn tamale and keep it in my little pouch.
0: I love tamales. I never, never get them, though.
1: <laughs> Why? Corn allergy?
0: I'm just never in a place where there's tamales, but if I'm ever like...
1: If you get a writing gig next to a place that's got a tamale cart, you're set. I love tamales, set. though uh you should treat yourself to a tamale steve <laughs> she
0: also asked did you ever get that electric car i
1: did i own a tesla
0: oh and uh,
1: i was on the waiting list uh, since they first announced the model s like for five years I, you know i wish i'd bought stock along with <laughs> yeah. putting the down payment uh it's, i love it it's uh, again it's not an ad for tesla but i uh best car i've ever owned i love it to death with those love it to death
0: um I might ask you to give me a ride in it because I'm really obsessed with those
1: cars. Right, I think my wife might have taken it to wherever she went off to, but it's pretty cool.
0: Um, yeah, those.
1: You know, I, I don't know why, but I, I think the test, I, I, I don't know why it hasn't caught on with, uh, with gangsters, but what a perfect uh, car for drive by.
0: What's the range on, like, how far can you go on a charge? It depends. There's three different oh, yeah, kind they're, of batteries. they silent. That's why, right?
1: Right, right. Like, don't, don't hear you sneaking up. Um, there's three. We got the medium battery, uh, which was 230 miles. There's also one that's 300 miles and one that's, I guess, 160 miles. Uh, Which is, you know, if, if you're, and, and if you want to take drives up the the coast, they have these supercharger stations where you could pull in, do a quick charge.
0: Um, But I mean, for, you can make it to San Francisco. and Yeah. Yeah. How Uh, long does it take to charge?
1: Well, at the superchargers, uh, which we haven't used yet, but I mean like half an hour or so, I mean, basically we just plug in at night uh, into the garage and you know, by the morning it's a full charge. I mean, we never, you know, 99% of the time we would never drive like, you know,
0: 230 miles in a day. And those cars have a lot of pickup, too. Oh, it's amazing. Because like, there's no... there's You, you, you know don't what have to wait for the gas to engage. You know what it's like? It's like those
1: new roller coasters that, that start with have the magnets.
0: Yes. So that you just, you know... Instantly. Instantly.
1: Boom! Oh,
0: man. That's awesome. It's,
1: it's great. I'll, know, I'll give you a test ride some other time.
0: I know, I know somebody that has one, and uh, it is... she She rides horses, like almost every day so she's always out on this ranch so she never washes it because she's always out on this ranch and it is the dirtiest car i've ever seen <laughs> like I, the first time i saw it i'm like how can you drive around in that car so filthy and she's like i ride horses every day yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wash it every day that's
1: Right. Okay, my, my engineer, my old engineer, Tony Papa uh, made his own electric car in the, I want to say the, the late eighties. Made? He, he, he made, he, he figured it out. He's like this, you know, savant. He had an old green MG, gutted it and put in batteries and made an electric car. And it worked. I mean, we, we sat in it and he, uh, <laughs> he turned it on, no noise. And I'm like, yeah, this is a great car. And then all of a sudden it starts going backward and you hear, all you hear is the wheels on the gravel. Are a, you kidding? And that was how my first, first was time this? I'd been in an electric car and it just like, I could not believe
0: it. Yeah, the silence is what really blows yeah. me away is how yeah. quiet they are. I, I wish I had the know how to build stuff like that. If I could build an electric car, I would be building all sorts of stuff. Mm hmm. Would you? Would you really? I absolutely would. I would be like, I would have a, I would have a garage just where I built stuff. I'd be a crazy scientist. I'd build weird guitars. Uh, all right, let me see if I have any other questions because we've gone a while. Wow, we've gone almost two hours, Al. Wow, this might this will be, be edited down to like ten minutes. This will be one of the longest podcasts I've done. Um, uh, let's see. This might be the longest I've talked to anybody ever. Oh, the Twinkie Wiener sandwiches. Is... That, the, how did you come up with the... Is, that's not something you actually had eaten and was like, oh, I got to put this in a movie.
1: It's so one of those kind of things I probably thought up in a fever dream and put it into the script for UHF. Not, you know, you, when, you, when you write stuff like that, you always think, oh, that's funny. And then the day will come when you actually have to eat seven to Twinkie eat sandwiches.
0: Is it disgusting?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not the worst thing I've ever eaten, but it, you know, it
0: wouldn't be my food of choice. Um, fair enough. Okay, one other one. Do you have a degree in architecture? I do. You went to San Luis, UC... The
1: the California... Cal Cal Poly Poly State. Get the the name right, Steve. The California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo.
0: So you have a degree in architecture? I do. Have you ever designed uh, anything...
1: Not per se. I mean, you know, I've drawn up plans for my own bathroom remodel and things like that. And I still have that kind of architectural lettering. It's it's gotten sloppy over the decades, but uh, they kind of drill that into you. Um, So if someone
0: came with, like, a blueprint, you'd be able to, like, be like, oh, this is this and this is...
1: Well, I think anybody could. I mean, you know, blueprints are made to be easy to understand.
0: I don't know, man. I've yeah. seen some, I, I used to do construction for years, and I, I would look at blueprints and just... Well, like,
1: every, everything's, and everything I learned in college, I'm sure, is obsolete now. I mean, back when I was in college, it was all T-squares and parallel things, and uh, now it's all computers. It's just CAD, computer-assisted yeah. drawing. Uh, I don't even think they use T-squares anymore. I was I was in the uh, yeah. early days, yeah, old I school. I went to
0: art school for a while and was like had my T-square and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Um, are we allowed to say that you're, you're about to start recording again?
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, again, I don't know when this is airing, but... Uh, uh, oh, probably in real, next week. In real time. Well, as of next week, I will be in the studio. Yeah. So I'm recording. Uh, I've got six songs that are done, done, done. I'm recording three more songs uh, in February. And then hopefully the last three... Well, I don't know. When, it, when I finish the last three, then the album's coming out. So, I hope hopefully, we'll have an idea for a, a single. Uh, and I, I, I have my fingers doubly crossed that I have an album coming out this year. But Any live shows coming out? Not this year. I, I'm taking this year off yeah. uh, touring. Um, hopefully, I'm not going to tour till the next album comes out. So, hopefully, the album will be out later this year. And I'll be back on the road next year.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, Well Thank you, man. This is fun. And I appreciate it. You have no idea. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. All right. That's it. Uh, I really cannot thank uh, Weird Al enough for doing that. And uh, I, I'm still in shock that he did it. <laughs> uh, so thank you for listening. And uh, while you're at it, while you're listening, while you're here, check out some other shows uh, from the Feral Audio Network. Uh, you can go to feralaudio.com. Check out shows. We have people like Chelsea Peretti from Brooklyn 99 uh, Comedian Todd Berry, uh, Dan Harmon, uh, my friends Allie and Georgia have a great podcast called Slumber Party. Um, really worth checking out. Uh, look around on the website, and uh, I'm sure there's uh, some other stuff you uh, would love on there. And uh, while you're at it, you can donate to our podcast. There's a link on my page. Uh, also, if you're going to go buy stuff on uh, Amazon, Maybe after hearing this, you want to go buy some uh, Weird Al albums or his movie. Uh, you can do that. Go to Weird Al, uh, Go to uh, Amazon. Use the link on my page uh, to go to Amazon. And uh, I get uh, a very small percentage of that at no extra cost to you. So thank you very much, regardless of whatever you do. And I uh, appreciate the listenership. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.